Gracious God, you are indeed so gracious to us. We were ruined in sin. We were lost. We were blind. We were in slavery to sin, but you have opened our eyes. You have freed us from slavery. You have brought us from death to life. That indeed we might see you, that we might see your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might love him. And I pray that as we read, look at, as I preach your word now, you would give us humble hearts, hearts that are ready and willing to submit to your word, and hearts that are inflamed with love for you. Help us, O Lord, I pray. Help us in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Well, Psalm 93 is a psalm that we're looking at today, as you know, and it stands at the head of a group of psalms that praise God as king. Psalm 93 and Psalms 95 to 100. All of them show God as king reigning over all, and they give glory to him as the universal king. And Psalm 93 serves as the entryway, if you like, as the entryway, the door to these psalms, these psalms of God as king. In particular, this psalm will show that God is powerful, more powerful than anything else. It will show that nothing is more sure or steadfast than his reign, And nothing is more sure and certain than his revelation. If God is king over all, all things, all people, then he has every right to speak and expect us to listen. As king, he has every right to command and to expect us to obey, to promise and to expect us to trust it. How high is your view of God? How high is your view of God? For a high view of God leads to God-centered living, God-centered ministry, God-centered evangelism, God-centered worship, God-centered work. But a low view of God leads to living that is not centered on God. He is displaced, if you like. Now, we may know that God is king over all, But so often we act as if he isn't in control, as if he's not reigning and ruling over all things. Think about it. We sometimes act as if things will happen just as they happen. We forget that God reigns over all things. We lose sight of the fact that he's king. We doubt that he can do anything about what's happening and going on in our lives. We get anxious about tomorrow. So... As we look at Psalm 93, we will see God as king and we will see what his rule looks like. And so I have three points. First is the sovereign rule of God and what that looks like. Second is the sinful rebellion against God. And thirdly, the sure revelation of God. First, the sovereign reign or rule of God. Read verse 1 and 2 with me. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is put on strength as his belt. 
Yes, the world is established, it shall never, it cannot be moved. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Contained in these three words is a truth about God which is essential, which is fundamental to us as Christians. If you do not understand this, you do not understand God. If you do understand, it will cause your thoughts of God to be high thoughts. And this is the truth. God is the sovereign ruler over the entire universe. That's it. That's it. But looking at these first two verses, we will unpack what this sovereign rule looks like. What does this reign look like? First, God reigns exclusively. Notice the words, the Lord reigns. It's the Lord. The word Lord here is God's covenant name, Yahweh, or Jehovah. It's his personal name. God, who is close and personal, God, who is our God, is also the sovereign God of the universe. Note that it isn't anyone else. It's the Lord. It's not Buddha. It's not Muhammad who reigns. It's not Satan. It's not circumstances. It's not you and it's not me. It's the Lord. This means that to know the God of the Bible, you know the God of the universe. The sovereign ruler of all that there is. God does not share his reign. He doesn't share it. It's not God and you. It's not God and me. It's God, the Lord, who exclusively reigns. Isaiah 42 verse 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other. Only God is the one who can rule perfectly, exclusively. Second, God reigns continually. Notice the present tense of the word, he reigns continually. There never is a moment when he isn't reigning. As a king rules and governs his kingdom moment by moment, so God rules and governs all that he has continually. He continually works out his plans moment by moment. Third, God reigns actively. He's not only a God who reigns exclusively by himself or continually, but he's a God who reigns actively. The very presence of the word reigns indicates that it's a continual activity. It's an active one. He's not passive. The Lord's not like a watchmaker who who, who makes a watch and then winds it up and, and lets it tick by itself. He doesn't do that. It doesn't say that the Lord sits back and looks at all that he's done. No, it says that the Lord reigns. He's active in his reign. Ephesians 1 verse 11 says this, He works, and that word works there is the word energos, energy, right? There's energy. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. He works all things. He actively orders and operates every single thing in this universe. I met a young man at a a party a few years ago. And at first he seemed like he was a Christian because he believed in God. And yet as we went on I realized that he wasn't a Christian. Aside from the essential fact that he didn't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, his view of God was fundamentally wrong. 
He saw God as transcendent and, and, and up there, but he was merely up there. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he wasn't involved in the running of this universe. He wasn't intricately and intimately involved with the running and ordering of all things. For him, God created the world and that was it. He was a God who was merely distant, not involved in the affairs of his creation. But we see here that God is a God who reigns, who is involved actively. Fourth, God reigns absolutely. There is no restriction, there is no boundary, there is no limit to the extent of his reign. Psalm 89 says this, Psalm 89 verse 11, The heavens are yours. Just the heavens? The heavens are yours, the earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. There are no limits to God's reign. There are no boundaries. He reigns, he reigns completely and exclusively over all people and all things. There's no such thing as a rogue molecule in the universe. There's no such thing as a molecule that is outside his control. If there is, God wouldn't be the sovereign ruler of all that there is. God's reign is complete. It is full. It is absolute. Fifth, God reigns majestically. Look at the next part of verse 1. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. God is not an unremarkable or shabby king lacking in any grandeur or, or greatness. No, he's a king who is majestic and glorious. In those days, kings would wear robes where the train, the length of the train of the robe would indicate their power and their majesty. The longer the train, the more majestic the king was. Notice God is robed in majesty itself. It's not that just he's robed and his robe is, is kind of majestic and he's majestic because of his robe. No, he's robed in majesty itself. In the book of Isaiah, if you know it, in chapter 6, if you want to turn there, you can. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah the prophet goes into the temple. And he goes into the temple in the year that, that the king of the nation dies. And the land is in mourning that their king is gone. And it says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook. The voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, this is Isaiah speaking, Woe is me. For I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. 
When he went there, he saw the king of the universe. He saw the Lord seated upon his throne in heaven. This throne is high. This throne is lifted up. This this isn't just any old king. This is a king who has infinite status, who has infinite power. Think about the next words and what we were looking at before. And the train of his robe filled the temple. The length of the train of the robe indicates majesty. And here God's robe is completely filling the temple. There's no space to move. Earthly king's robes only went so far. God's reign is just completely fills the temple. And it gets more intense. All the seraphim, the angels uh, surrounding him, crying out, holy, holy, holy. Holy means to be set apart. It means to be separate. It means to be other, to be pure. And here it's emphasized to the third degree, holy, holy, holy. This is a king who is personal. This is a king who is intimately involved in all the runnings of this universe. And yet he is still a king who is high and lifted up. The whole earth is full of his glory. What is Isaiah's response? Well, the thresholds of the temple shake. And you know what Isaiah does? He shakes. Woe is me. He doesn't say, hey buddy, how you doing? Hey God, yeah, hey. He trembles. He trembles. He says, I am ruined. I am done for. This is most likely the most righteous person in the whole land. This is most likely as a a prophet, the most good person, if you like, the most blameless person. And yet when he sees the majestic king on his throne who is holy, trembles. He trembles. God is not a God who is to be messed around with. He's not to be approached casually. Yes, with boldness we can approach God through Jesus Christ, yet never casually, never flippantly. God reigns majestically. Sixth, God reigns powerfully. The next words, he has put on strength as his belt, or he is armed with strength. Now as a king girds himself and puts on a, on a belt for battle, so our God is strong. How strong? Well, there is no limit to his power. There is nothing that he can't do. God is not a God who sits in heaven, wringing his hands, hoping that everything's going to be okay, hoping that, that, that things are going to turn out all right. No, he not only desires things, but he has the power, the ability to carry them out. Psalm 115 verse 3 says this, The Lord sits in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. He does all that he pleases. Because he's God, because he's king over the universe, he does what he wants, when he wants, with whom he wants, and how he wants. But surely you say, Josh, isn't that arrogant? Isn't that arrogant? Not if you're a God who is perfect in wisdom, who is perfect in knowledge, who is perfect in love, 
a God who can rule this universe far better than any of us can, and a God who is without fault, without mistake, without error. As it says, God puts on strength, God arms himself with strength. There are times when God shows his might and power in greater measure. God is always powerful, but there are times when he displays his strength more. When he saves sinners. When he subdues human hearts. We see it in the Lord Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. It says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, it says, The message of the cross is foolishness, it is folly, it is stupid to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. When Jesus comes back, he will be coming in power. In Mark, it says this, And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. God not only desires to save and help his people, he does save his people, he he does help his people, he does act. Why? Because God reigns powerfully. Seven, God reigns unchangingly. God reigns unchangingly. Look at the end of verse one. Yes, the world is established it shall never be moved. It, it cannot be moved. Even though the world is so often full of chaos and evil, so often we feel as if the world is falling apart, we see here that the world is actually not able to be moved. Why? Because the God who created the world sustains and upholds the universe moment by moment. He maintains it. It is established. It is founded. It was already established when God created the world and it will already be, it will still be established until Christ comes again. It is fixed. It is firm. It is solid. Psalm 104 verse 5 says this, He set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. Not by anyone, not by anything. We often assume naturally that this, this world will keep ticking over that this world will keep continuing day by day, that when we wake up tomorrow, it will still be there. And in one sense, that's right. But only because God sustains it. Because only because God sustains it. It says in Hebrews that, that the Lord Jesus Christ upholds the entire universe by the word of his power. Have you thought about that? That, that God, that, that Christ here sustains the entire universe moment by moment by moment. Every breath that you take, everything you do, it's only because God sustains the universe. God's reign is unchanging. It is stable. It is fixed. Eighth, God reigns Eternally. God reigns eternally. Verse 2. Your throne is established from of old. You are from eternity. You are from everlasting. God's throne from where he rules has always been there. Let me tell you, there's never been a time where God has not ruled and reigned over all things. Even before the foundation of the world... 
even before he created all things, God was still ruling and reigning. God's reign stretches from eternity past to eternity future. God reigns forever. Our kings, our governments rise and fall, but God's reign lasts forever. They pass away, but God's remains. Unlike we who are dependent and, and, and created and dependent on God, he is uncreated. He is not dependent on anyone or anything. He is self-existent. He has no beginning. And because he has no beginning, because he is from everlasting, his reign is also from everlasting. God reigns eternally. So we have seen that God's reign is, is one that, where he reigns exclusively where he reigns continually, where he reigns actively, absolutely, majestically, powerfully, unchangingly and eternally. The Lord reigns. So what? So what? What does it mean for us that God is ruling over the universe? Well... This is a truth that should bring comfort, comfort to every Christian. The fact that the Lord is in control of all things should bring you great comfort if you are a Christian. What a comfort this is. We could not be sure of anything unless God was the ruler over all. Why do we pray? Because God is king and he can answer our prayers. Why do we evangelize? Because God is king and can change people's hearts. Let me tell you, if you're anxious about tomorrow or something else in your life, remind yourself of these three words. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. And when you come to understand this truth about God, it is an anchor for your life. It is something to build your life on. When things do not go your way, when people are against you and all seems lost, the Lord reigns. How big is your view of God? How big is your view of God? For if you view him as a, a deficient God, as a weak God, a powerless God, a God who can't do anything, a God who is subject to whatever you want and whatever you desire, if he's just like us, what hope do we have? None. None. But here we have this truth. The Lord reigns. How glorious is our King. How glorious is our King. Point number two. We have seen the sovereign rule of the sovereign reign of God. And here we see the sinful rebellion against God. Let's look at verses three and four. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring, mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. It repeats the floods three times. It is used for emphasis. This, this repetition highlights the fact to us the waves are powerful. Have you ever been dumped by a wave? 
Have you ever seen the destructive power of water, of the seas, of, of, of the floods? When you get a flood, it, it sweeps through. There's not much that can stand in its path. Waves, the seas crash, they pound, they roar, they're relentless. The floods are powerful. To the Jew also, the floods were a symbol, a a picture of chaos and evil in the world. And they even sometimes used the floods as a picture for the foreign nations, the pagan nations in the world. For the moral disorder in the world. In Isaiah 17 verse 12 it says, The thunder of many peoples, they, they thunder like the thundering of the sea. The roar of nations, they roar like the roaring of many waters. Jeremiah in verse, uh, chapter 6 says this, they, they speak of, of a foreign nation coming against them in war. They are cruel and have no mercy. The sound of them is like the roaring sea. So here we have two options. The floods as, as a powerful force of nature which are, which, which are mighty and which are powerful and they can terrify us. And here we have them as the floods are actually a picture, a, a symbol of, of, of chaos and evil of, of mankind in their rebellion against God and the world. You know what? Either one, God is mightier than both. God's reign cannot be eroded. It cannot be done away with. It cannot be abolished. It always stands. I believe here the option it is, uh, it means is, is that it is speaking or alluding to mankind in their rebellion against God, lifting up their voice against God, lifting up their voice against Him. Mankind in sinful rebellion against God, joining with each other and saying, we do not want this man, this, this king to rule over us. I'm going to read out Psalm 2. It is a picture of it. It gives this idea of mankind, the nations and kings coming together against the Lord. And it says this. Why do the, nation, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord Yahweh and his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. They are gathered together against God in rebellion against him. They do not want him to rule over them. They consider all his laws and his rules as bondage, as as slavery. What is his response? Verse 4. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. In a sense here we have the Lord mocking them. Mocking them. Why? He will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, on my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. 
Why does he laugh? Why do the nations have no hope? Because he has set his king in Zion. In heaven. He has made Jesus Christ ruler over all things. He's given this world, all these people, and has subjected all of them to Christ. We see this in the, in the reading of Hebrews 1 that we heard today. We know God reigns, but we see in it that he has set Christ at his right hand. In Hebrews 1, in verse 3, it says, After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He'd finished his work. He sat down. It was completed. It was finished. It was done. And God sat him, Christ, at his right hand. As we were looking at before in the kids' talk, God, that the right hand is the position of supreme glory. It's the preeminent position, the highest position. And God gave him all power, all authority to rule over all things. Before Christ, the Lord Jesus came down in his incarnation as a, as a human, he had all glory. He had all power. He had all status. And yet he relinquished that when he came down and took on human flesh. He humbled himself. He condescended to come down as a human for us. He, he left all that to come down to us. He died upon a cross. He humbled himself even to the point of death upon a cross. He humbled himself. The God who reigns majestically, eternally, all, the, all those things that we looked at before, a God who has all the power in the universe. He did not cease being God, yet he gave up the rights and status that was his to become a man like us, to take on human flesh, truly God and also truly man. You know what? He was raised from the dead, he ascended on high, and he is now exalted once again and seated at the right hand of God. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 27, it says this, For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. All things. There is nothing outside his control. There is nothing that you can, can usurp or frustrate or stop his reign. He is reigning at this very moment. This is the Jesus we serve. This is the Jesus who has saved us as Christians. We do not now see him as reigning, but we will see him one day. We can but see it by faith now as we look in the word of God, but, but we will see him one day, risen, ascended, victorious, glorious, sovereign, supreme over all. Is this your view of Christ? On that final day, every knee shall bow, willingly or not, to this king. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess him as Lord. We see this back in Psalm 2. We see this back in, in Psalm 2. I'll keep reading. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. He says, be wise, be warned, listen up. Do not be asleep. Listen to this. Serve the Lord with fear 
and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, i.e. pay homage to the Son, serve the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. But blessed are all who take refuge in him. It says, kiss the Son, pay homage to him as King. This is, this is whom God has set up at his right hand. If you are not a Christian, if you are not following Christ, it is saying, submit to him. It says, blessed are all who take refuge in him. He is mighty. He is mighty. It says this back in Psalm 93 verse 4. He is mightier than the floods. He is mightier than any opposition that can come against him. And indeed, Jesus Christ is mightier than all those things. There is none who can oppose him and get away with it. No one. A man by the name of Abraham Kuyper said this. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine. There is not a single molecule of this entire universe over which Christ does not say, Mine. Well, we've looked at the sovereign rule of God and we've looked at the sinful rebellion against God And lastly, we come in verse 5, verse 5 and verse 6, sorry, verse 5, to the sure revelation of God. Verse 5, have a look. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, or holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forevermore. As the throne of God is fixed against all opposition, so in God's word, his truth is fixed. It is completely trustworthy. Other kings and queens and governments come and go, God remains. As their laws and decrees come and go and change, God's law stays. It is fixed. It is firm, it is solid, it is trustworthy. Psalm 119 verse 89 says this, Forever, O Lord, forever, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. It never changes, it never passes away, it is always relevant, it is always binding. They are trustworthy. They're trustworthy. And what is the result of this? Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Where God is in heaven, there is holiness. We were seeing that before in Isaiah 6, there is holiness. Why? Because God is there. Because where he dwells reflects who he is. His character. God is holy. He is perfect as king of the universe. Therefore, anything to be with him, it must also be holy. What does this mean, therefore, for us on the earth who are Christians, who are already saved? God is making us more fit for heaven. He's making us more fit for heaven. He's making us more like him. He's making us more holy, more fit for being in his presence. 
The fact that the Lord reigns is the main truth in this psalm. And holiness is the final result. And esteem for God as king will lead us to adopt behavior that is suited to be in his royal presence. God reigns as king over the universe. We who are subjects are being made more holy to be in his presence. Proper high views of God lead to obedient high service of him. So as you seek to obey God as Christians, to obey his son, this truth that the Lord reigns shall give you great comfort and spur you on, as I spoke about before. A man by the name of A.W. Pink said this, Nothing in all this vast universe can come to pass other than what God has eternally purposed. Here is a foundation of faith. Here is a resting place for the mind. Here is an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast. Faith endures the disappointments, the hardships, the heartaches of life by recognizing that all comes from the hand of him who is too wise to make a mistake and too loving to be unkind. How high is your view of God? How high is your view of God? And do you realize that God is king over this universe, working all things for your good? Do you realize that even though your heart may be troubled, or the world is in chaos, God still reigns. God still rules over all things. When you are tempted to doubt him, when you are tempted to forget him, when you are tempted to trust in your own weak efforts or to be anxious, remember the words, the Lord reigns. It will bring peace to your heart and hope to your soul. Trust in this king. Trust in this king. And if you are not a Christian, as I was saying before, you find yourself, whether you realize it or not, at war with the king of the universe. At war with the king of the universe. If you, if you look into your heart and you have not yet submitted to Christ, you're at war with him. You're an enemy of him. This truth that God is king should not bring comfort to you should not bring comfort to you. This is a God whom you can't handle. This is a God you can't ignore or reject without consequences. It should cause you to fear his judgment, for you will be held accountable to him on the last day as you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. I plead with you to submit to him. Submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Plead with him. Plead for him to save you. He is a kind and loving king to all who call on him. If you submit to him in repentance and faith, you will not see his justice. You will not see his judgment. You will see his favor and his love. As you kneel before this king, you kneel before the one who is pierced for us, the one who is now ascended on high. 
Come to him. Come. You might surrender yourself to him. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. O Lord, you are the sovereign ruler over all people and all things. You are in complete control over every single molecule in this universe. And O Lord, forgive us, I pray, for so often we do not have this in our mind. We act as if you are not in control. We act as if you are not sovereignly ruling and reigning over all things. So often we forget this truth, that you are ruling and reigning over all. O Lord, you are from everlasting and so is your rule. And there is no one and nothing that can can stop your reign, that can rebel against your reign and, and, and get away with it. Lord, I pray that this truth that you reign, and indeed you have set your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, at your right hand, I pray that this truth would bring great comfort to the hearts of us here who are, who are in Christ, who are saved, who have submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, may it bring comfort to our souls. I pray, Heavenly Father, that those here who do not know your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who have not yet kneeled to him and bowed the knee to him and submitted everything in their life to him. Oh Lord, I pray that you would subdue their heart. Bring them to humility, I pray, as you have done to sinful sinners like us. May your name get all the glory and power forever and ever. Amen.